0: Oh my god, what, what happened? What happened? Um, I really wanted to bring a lot of energy and excitement to today's episode. And the aftermath of the Bruins collapse was kind of behind me until I sat here and started brainstorming. All right, what am I going to talk about today? And I I, I do it like, you know, a couple days before I physically record on Fridays. And obviously, I need to address the Bruins. I want to talk about the Celtics. Not much to talk about. Lost a close game one. uh, Blew out the 76ers in game two. Red Sox look sneaky good. But uh, no matter how well those teams are doing. Oh, plus the draft. I want to talk about the draft too. How exciting that was. How much fun the live stream was. But it's just all overshadowed by the Bruins' colossal Collapse. It's beyondly unfortunate. It really, really is. So where do I go with today's episode? It's hard for me to bring the cheery Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to episode 109. Like it's just like I, I trust me, I want to, and I always do. You know you guys know that. I always bring that that level of energy and excitement and that rawr. But this is the first time I'm recording since the Bruins lost game seven. A horrendous loss a colossal loss it's just like what now that's the question what now and I guess before I go any further into it because I do want to dive in and talk about it what is going on everybody welcome back to another episode welcome to episode 190 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk I am your host James Murphy aka Murph like just even doing that was a little difficult in all, in all honesty it was, it was a little challenging but Oh, you know, I, I Before, let, let me get some more pleasantries out of the way. Before I talk about the Bruins and get a little bit mopey and such, You know I do want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in for the NFL Draft livestream special. Whether you watched it on YouTube or on Instagram, it was very, very fun. Um, it was a grand old time. The draft was exciting. Trade night was fun. So thank you to all who participated and joined in that is an absolute blast. So thank you for that. Hopefully you had some good entertainment with the few guests that I had on. (sighs) Okay. With that, with that to the side, just, where do the Bruins go now? They sold out this year for this year. That was clear. Bertuzzi, Hathaway, Orlov. You brought back Bergeron and Krejci for super cheap. There's a lot of questions that this team will need to answer. And I don't know if they're going to be able to answer those questions. Obviously, they have a lot of time to sit and think about this. And I, I know, I, I said it a thousand times, all these records mean absolutely nothing if you don't win the cup. And I still stand by that. I do. I still believe that the win record, the point record is dandy. And you'll be remembered in history forever until it is broken again. But you just don't have Lord Stanley to show for it. You don't have the cup to show for it. And I think that's what was absolutely crucial. But at the end of the day, it was a fantastic season, regular season. I have to emphasize regular season. It was a fantastic regular season. All the wins, all the points, all the come from behind wins. It was as exciting as a regular season could get for a fan so i i don't want to throw the entire season out the window i don't want to discredit the 2022 and 23 bruins for what they were able to do this year because they were able to do something special they were and i just don't know where this team is going to go going into 23 24 but let's not go for any records let's not hunt for any records next year they'll still be good They'll probably still be around a hundred-win team. I'm uh, sorry, hundred-win, hundred-point team. But I don't want the presence Trophy. I don't want the wins record, the points record. I want the cup. And uh, Tom, Don Sweeney is going to have to, to you know, find a way to put the pieces together to put them back in cup contention, which they will be, regardless next year. I mean, it's not going to get blown up, but it could look very different. And we'll just see where the team goes. But I mean, as disappointing as it is, and I don't need a hash about you know, all mark or overtime, or bad passes and turnovers and not being you know, we've heard all that. We we've heard all that from national analysts, regional analysts. We've heard it, you know, during post game on sports radio. So it is just it is very, very. You know, depressing, let's just call it. You know, I, I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're so much better when the Bruins are in it. I mean, I'll never forget the 2019 Cup run. That was, that was, what was Mrs. Murph and I, we just moved into our house in Providence. That was our second year together. And it was just super fun. Super, duper fun. It, it went, as the season went as long as it possibly could. Game seven. Lord Stanley was in your building. And yeah, you, you lost. And that was brutal. And honestly, that loss was way more brutal than this this loss was. I mean, that team was excellent. That team was good. And they went as far as you could. This team didn't go as far as you could. So as much as it stings, it doesn't sting as bad as that did. But ugh, I, this season for the Bruins was beyondly fun. It was super, super fun. And it's going to be hard to top it. But I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to next year, regardless what it looks like. I just hope that you know maybe we can get one more run. Bergeron, Krejci, I, I people want Bertuzzi back. Oh, it will be interesting to see how Don Swing is able to you know again put the pieces together. But wow, uh, that's I, I'm really all in all. I'm at a loss of words with what with the exception of what I said. I mean what else do i need to hash up on that we haven't talked about in the shop haven't talked about online again what you haven't heard on sports radio local regional and national analysts like i mean again they lost they lost in seven games this season at the end of the day was a failure here in Boston, i've said this a thousand times regardless of the sport whether it's the red sox and baseball the bruins uh in hockey, Celtics, basketball, and Patriots, and football. We're not here to celebrate regular season milestones. We're not here to celebrate a wild card win or one series win. If it's not a banner, it was a failure. Simple as that. That's how sports, the local sports teams look at it because of the rich tradition and history. And that's how the players look at it too, and the fans. So I do want to talk. I I have to turn a 180 here. Absolutely have to turn a 180 here because the Red Sox are playing pretty good. They are. Now I don't want to jump ahead of myself because they're still seven and a half games back of the Rays. But the Rays are on a historic start, so it's really hard to gauge, gauge that. But what I can tell you is they're 19 and 14, and they're on a what is it? A six-game winning streak, I believe it is. They're 7-3 in their last 10 games. They're 13-7 at home. I mean, they're 6-7 away, but four of those was to a sweep of the Rays. And you're only three games behind the Orioles for second place. They're four and a half games, but the Orioles are playing fantastic themselves. You put the Red Sox in any other division in the American League, the Central or the West, they're in first place. Uh, The West, a little tricky. Rangers are 18-12. Red Sox are nineteen and fourteen. It's based on losses, so they'd be what one game behind? I believe But that's how that works. Uh they might be uh yeah, one game behind. Uh let me just check the national league real quick. Um, okay, it's a little bit tougher out there, so I'm gonna say no to the national league. But Red Sox, they're do they're doing better than I expected, right? And I know I've been very hard on them all off season. I was hard on them all last season too. But all offseason, I was hard on them. I have very little confidence and faith. And it is still early. I must preface. We're only 33 games in. I like my window 40 to 60. So there is some time for them to either continue playing well or to absolutely crash and burn. But where they are right now, they're intriguing. They're interesting. They're fun to watch. Now, I don't know if the pace of play rules with the pitch clock and such has a has a, a, a hand in that but I'll take it I'm gonna take it regardless but the Red Sox have been sneaky good and I know like the beginning of the season uh let me see I gotta scroll to the beginning of the season like okay they play the Orioles the Pirates the Tigers and they were you know doing pretty well it's like all right let's play a real team in the race and they got swept and then the next thing you know it's like oh well you know see so I told you what happens when you play good teams well come to find out Pirates are a good team. The Orioles are a good team, which I've mentioned a bunch of times that they would be. Tigers are the Tigers. But since that sweep from the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa, you, uh, let's see, you, one, two, three, you won three of four against the Angels. You've won two of three against the Twins. I'm trying to do this math on the fly here. You won two of three from the Brewers. You won two of three of the Orioles. You won two or three from the Guardians, and you just swept the Blue Jays. So from that sweep of the Rays at the, what is it, the fairly, you know, the, what was that, April 10th to the 13th? So from April 14th to now, you have won every single series. That's one, two, three, four, five, six series. You've won six straight series, resulting in a seven and three record in the last 10 games. 19 and 14 overall. And they're not against bum teams. They're not. Uh, Let's see. What is the Angels? Uh, They're in second place now, but I believe when they came into town, they were first place at the time. Twins are in first place in the Central. Brewers, uh, let me click National League. They were first place in the Central, National League Central at the time. Orioles, again, they're in second place behind the historic starting Rays. Guardians, second place in the Central and Blue Jays, who are underperforming because they're in fourth place, but at the time, they were ahead of you in the standings when they first entered uh, the series, or when the series first started at the beginning of the week. So it's not like you're playing bums. You're really not. You're not beating up. You know, you're know, you not playing the Tigers. You're not playing the Athletics. You weren't playing. Is there any crapshoot teams in the National League? Cardinals, very disappointing season so far, but that's neither here nor there. So there is a lot of positivity to take from this Red Sox team. And I'm not going to lie, guys. They're shutting me up. Again, it's still early. We're only 30 what, three games, I think I said, into the season. So there is still a lot to go. There's still a lot to go. But as it stands right now, as they go to play Philadelphia for a three-game series, and then they go play Atlanta, I like what I see. I do. I know I've sat here and, you know, I was talking about the pitching statistics and how bad it was. MLB, uh, what did I type in? Team stats, MLB team stats. I forget what I typed in. MLB team batting. Oh, here we go. This is cool. Uh, So, let's see. Right now, the Red Sox have the second best average in all of baseball. They have the second best on-base percentage in baseball. They have the third best on base plus slugging in baseball. They have the most hits in baseball. Uh, hold on, let me go to the runs. They have the second most runs, most doubles. They're yeah, no, nowhere near triples. <laughs> Home runs their fifth, runs batted in their second, total bases their second, and walks their eighth. Strikeouts, you know, you could oh wait, hold on, this is going the other way. Strikeouts there what was that one two three four five six seventh, and stolen bases could be a little bit better there sixteenth. So, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago when I talked about the Red Sox last, their hitting isn't the problem, it's not. I just don't want to have to rely on the hitting all season. I don't want to. They scored five runs, nine runs two runs in their three wins against the the Angels. Then they scored four runs, and the Angels scored five in that one loss. Uh, Red Sox scored five runs, four runs, and 11 runs against the Twins. Red Sox scored five runs, four runs, and 12 runs against the, the Brewers. Red Sox scored four runs, eight runs, two runs against the Orioles. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoken. The Orioles series was a loss. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I totally misread that. The Orioles series uh, was it two weeks ago at this point or last week was a loss. I do apologize. Four five they lost. Eight six they won. Two uh, six to two they lost. So they haven't won six straight series. Uh, let's see the Guardians. They lost five to two. They won eight to seven. They won seven to one. And then recently against the Blue Jays, they won six to five, seven to six, eight to three, and eleven to five. So they still need to score runs in order to win games, obviously. Again, my baseline is like they need to score at least four runs in order to win these games. If they didn't score, I mean, let's see, what they score, what, two runs in one of the games and still was able to win? So promising, but that's just one game, one game. So again, the hitting has not been the problem. Never bitched about the hitting. It's just I don't want to rely on it as much. But the pitching... The pitching statistics is going to be something else. Oh, man. The pitching statistics. They are 23rd in ERA. They are third, tied for 13th in saves. Th- that got a little bit better. Quality starts. They are tw- tied for 24th. Uh, hits given up. Uh, hold on. Let's see. We want hits given up. Why is... It's like completely reversed. They are one, two, three, four, five. Was that 24th earned runs? What? Okay, so here on ESPN, the Rays earned runs is 91. That's the least in baseball in terms of pitching, but it has them ranked 30th. So if I to sort it differently, the Oakland A's have 231 earned runs, but that ranks them first. So I'm trying to do the math really quick in my head because it's supposed to be flipped. Uh, let's see, 39, 8, 7. Oh, oh my God, whatever. They're, they've given up 158 runs. Is that 30th, 28, uh, 27, 6, 5, 25th? Tied for 25th in earned runs. Why can't this be cut and dry? Oh, my God. Um, they've given up 45 home runs, which is 30th, 29th, 28, 24th. Uh, let's see. Strikeouts, they've recorded 278, which isn't too bad. All right, so here we go. Strikeouts is organized correctly, which is 14th, best in baseball. And their whip, which is walk plus hits per innings pitch, is 1.34, which is 20th in baseball. So has it marginally gotten better? Sure. The pitching has marginally gotten better. So there is good improvement there. Since the last time I really dove in and talked about the Red Sox, there has been improvements pretty much across the board, which is so promising, super exciting to see. It's super promising and exciting to read to you and tell you and talk to you about it because I've sat here countless times and said, oh, the Red Sox is going to suck. They don't want pitching. They can't hit. Da da, da da Don't be excited, whatever, whatever. But I say that because I'm a realist. I try not to fluff up and cover up the truth. I try not to give you information that is misleading or wrong or incorrect or that is supposed to portray a certain image. I try not to do any of that. And I really do believe that I don't do any of that. And as negatively and as poorly and as badly as I talked about the Red Sox, I hate doing it. I've said this before. I hate, hate, hate doing it. So to actually sit here and give you on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way, some good news and good reporting about the 2023 Boston Red Sox, it leaves me excited. It really gets me excited. It gets me going. It gets me happy. How long will they be able to do this? I don't know. We could be talking about a completely different team, whether that's in a good way or a bad way, next week for episode 191 on May 12th. And we could be doing it again on the 19th for 192 and so on and so on. Like, The season for baseball is so long, but like when you have such a fringe team like the Red Sox, it almost seems like and feels like every series does matter. You know, listen, if they drop three games, you know, they get swept by the Phillies. It's not going to really be the end all be all. But like where they're three games behind the Orioles for second place in the American League East who, by the way, would be first in the All-American League if it wasn't for the historic starting raise. And if they were to lose three straight games in the Blue Jays and Yankees, who are also behind the Red Sox, was to win three straight games, well, now you're in last place. So there's just a lot of other external factors that really affect the Red Sox. Again, the performance of the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the other teams in the division. I'm not too worried about the American League. I could really care less. Obviously, I don't care about the National League either. So it's just, oh, it's so exciting. And I really hope that we can do this all summer because the Red Sox last year had a slow April, a hot May, and then they just fell off the face of the earth in June and over the course of the summer. And we had nothing to really talk about. We were talking about the, the Patriots in the upcoming season and obviously the Celtics making it to the finals. And we were talking about the Bruins and what moves they could be doing. And it's just like there's other things we're talking about. And I was just talking so negatively about the Red Sox Pretty much throughout the course of the entire summer. It sucked. It really really sucked. So again, you know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I'm a little happy. (laughs) I'm a little happy. All right. Let's see. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out where to go. From here because I want to talk about Patriots draft and i also want to i need some like grades or something espn do you have some grades for me okay so it's basically just talking about each player i was hoping for a grade um nfl draft team grades i know you think i would have this already planned out and such but i don't I, i didn't so we're just going to do it kind of together all right, so here's all the A teams. Here's all the B teams. Where the. I'll just read you the A teams. I'm not going to go into each of them. Uh, Lions got an A. Very questionable. Jets, B. Panthers, A. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jets. These are all the A teams that, that got graded an A for their performance in the 2023 NFL draft. Lions, Jets, Panthers, Bears, Eagles, Steelers, Broncos, Giants all got A's. These are the teams that got graded a B. This is from CBS Sports, by the way. Texans, Seahawks. Texans, questionable thought that would be an A. Uh, Texans, Seahawks, Bengals, Cowboys, Colts, Dolphins. Teams that got graded a C. The Bills, Falcons, Patriots, Browns, Raiders, Vikings, Packers, 49ers, Saints, Bucks, Commanders, Ravens, Jags. Who wasn't on that damn list? Uh, here are the D teams. Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, Cardinals, Rams. All right. Let me read about the Patriots and why they got a C. Adding wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster would make worlds of sense as a high volume target for Mac Jones if he wasn't just a lateral fill in for the departed Jacoby Myers. Tight end Mike Esecki helps, of course, giving Jones an additional outlet, but they've still got issues up front where Journeyman Riley Reef is their top new tackle and probably didn't need to spend four million dollars per year on James Robinson, considering Rondé Stevenson already headlined their capable backfield. Fortunately they did not uh, they did find good value in the draft, adding both Christian Gonzalez and Keon White. That's not really about <laughs> it's not really you know the grade I was hoping for on the draft uh that was just more like an season kind of a thing oh okay you know what? whatever I so let me just read you so this is an article from Mike Reese um ESPN writer covers the Patriots as you guys know April 29th he wrote this article and it's just a, you know, a little blurb about every pick that the Patriots took and I'm not going to read every single pick but I do want to read at least Gonzalez I want to read Keon White And was there another one I wanted to read? I don't think so. Oh, and Keyshawn Booty. Okay. Let me scroll back up. All right. My take. Brilliant. When a player who most mock drafts didn't project would be available is there at 17, the Patriots land him after trading back three spots. That's a good day at the office. Cornerback was a top need for the Patriots, and this is a case where the best player matched the need. Gonzalez was ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay's number eight-ranked prospect in the draft, According to ESPN's draft predictor, there was a less than 1% chance entering the draft that Gonzalez would be available after pick 15. Will he start as a rookie? Nothing will be handed to Gonzalez, but he has a great opportunity. In addition to offensive tackle, this was arguably the team's greatest need. One thing that stands out is his size, 6'2", 201 pounds. Compared to the other three players atop the depth chart, Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, who are all under 6 feet and under 200 pounds. The Patriots needed a taller cornerback, to combat some of the taller receivers they will face. All right, Keon White. My take. This is Reese's take, obviously. Bolstering the line of scrimmage and pass rush is never a bad thing, especially when it comes with a versatile prospect who might be able to play multiple spots. He'll have a solid veterans to look up to in Judon, Dietrich Wise, and Josh Uche. Shortly after being selected by the Patriots, White said, I'm a very big business person, so I'm not big into the glitz and glamour of football, I want to work, and I want to win. I feel like that's what the Patriots offer. End quote. Pretty nice. And then uh, Kayshawn Booty, my take. This is the part of the draft where teams are more comfortable taking a risk, and the 5'11", 195-pound Booty falls in that category of a player whose talent and potential is obvious, but who has yet to put it all together. In one game as a freshman, he had 14 receptions for 308 yards and three touchdowns. But he never carried that momentum throughout his three years at LSU. The Patriots have Parker, Smith Schuster, Taekwon Thornton, Kendrick Bourne atop their wide receiver depth chart, and Titan Mike Kosicki, essentially another wide receiver type option. So Booty will compete for a possible fifth spot at the position with the possibility of landing on the practice squad as well. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, the Patriots had a, a, a good draft, I believe, in my opinion. Again, they took Gonzalez, Keon White. They took Marte Mapu, the linebacker from Sacramento State, Jake Andrews, the guard from Troy, Chad Ryland, the kicker from Maryland, City South, uh yeah, City South from Eastern Michigan, the guard, Antonio Maffi, the guard from UCLA, Keishon Booty, wide receiver from LSU, Bryce Barringer, the punter from Michigan State, Demario Douglas, the wide receiver, punt returner from Liberty, Amir Speed, cornerback from Michigan, and Isaiah Bolden, the slash punt returner from. Jackson State. Oh, no. Cornerback slash place kicker? It says PK. That's place kicker. What? Okay. Oh, it's, it's talking about kick returner. Bolton was the only player from the HBCU selected in the 2023 draft, and the Patriots, having tipped off their interest by hosting him on a pre-draft visit, uh, has one-year starting experience at cornerback and led the FCS in kick return average. Oh, okay. So it's kick returner, not place kicker. PK is place kicker. This is talking about kick returner. Okay, so I mean, the Patriots got a lot of depth, which was necessary. They filled major holes. Gonzalez, I think Keon White, could is potentially a hole filler. I mean, who knows what Josh Uche's future is like. Matt Judon's entering what year three now with the Patriots after a four-year deal. Linebacker, you know, you can never have enough good linebackers. Uh, kicker, obviously, you know, it doesn't seem like. Uh, what was it uh, Nick Folk's coming back? Let's uh, say they got a punter because they just cut Jake Bailey. So they they got starters. They did. They got needs. They got backup guards. They got backup centers. They got special teamers and kick returns and punt returners. I mean, oh, it's not a sexy draft by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's a good one. I mean, overall, like I mean, I think this draft is way better than last year's draft. I think I think a lot of people would agree with that in all honesty. Like you didn't need a cornerback. You didn't need a uh, running back. You didn't need, you know, a tight end. You didn't need um I mean, I guess you could say that you needed a safety with the departure of McCordy, but you have some good guys back there already, you know, from last year. So they filled some major holes and they added a lot of depth across the roster. What'd they have? Uh like twelve picks, one, two, three, four, five, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 picks. Yeah, 12 picks. My opinion, can't complain about that. Really, really can't. Uh, let's, I'm trying to think. What else can we talk about? I mean, that might wrap it up for today's episode. I know it wasn't a long episode. But, I mean, talking, uh, talking about the Patriots draft in its totality today. Obviously, we touched upon the Bruins. We talked about the Red Sox. Not much to talk about the Celtics. I mean, I'll give you a quick Celtics minute. Uh, Game 1 could have went either way. Game 2 is a nice blowout, which you'd like to see, which is really interesting because you lost a close game, Game 1 without Embiid, with the Sixers without Embiid, and then you blow them out with Embiid in Game 2. Makes no sense. You would have thought that it would be the other way. You would have thought it would be the other way, but you know what? I'll take the win. I'll take the blowout with them having Embiid. I'm looking forward to Game 3. Game 3 is... Tonight, I believe Celtics. Uh, let's see games. They do play. They do play tonight, seven thirty in Philadelphia. Oh, wow, the Red Sox are in Philadelphia, and the Celtics are in Philadelphia. Huh, very interesting. But that will wrap it up for today's episode, guys. I really do appreciate you joining me for today's episode, episode number one hundred and ninety. If you're listening to today's episode on audio-only platforms like Spotify. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find Murphs Boston Sports Talk. So I thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying each and every episode. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button, comment down below any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything at all. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. I would greatly appreciate that. Reach out to me via social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That is at Cartown, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Cartown. So hopefully the weather's supposed to be nicer next week. It was a little frigid this past week, I'm not going to lie. But next week it's supposed to be very nice, and that leaves me very excited. Tomorrow is going to be in the 70s, so I cannot wait for that. But between now and then, have a fantastic weekend enjoy yourselves if you're going to any card shows let me know what cards you pick up i'd love to see it but that is going to wrap it up have a great weekend i will see you next week for episode number 191 have a happy fun and safe cinco de mayo drink responsibly have fun responsibly but i'll catch you in the next one but between now and then you know that i love you and i will always always see you